Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Anybody ever heard the, the Loverboy song, the 80s Canadian pop group from, I think it was 1981, Working for the Weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend, right? That's the only line that I'll ever remember from that song. Because it's true, like every one of us kind of is looking for Friday, right? You're looking for 5 p.m. Friday, then you can rest, then you can catch up on sleep, then you can, and maybe every day you're like, ah, oh, I just want to go to bed. I just want to watch my Netflix show, do my reading, pray, and go to bed. Um, maybe spring break, you, you like it, but it's just a tease, right? You know, it's, it's not summer break. You still have to come back, and then you have tests, and you have all this. Um, but summertime, oh, it's amazing. You know, just that picture of that, that house on the beach, uh, for me, brings back so many good memories of summer. School's out. Yes, you can rest. There's relief. You're done. And I want to I spend some time talking about that. So we're going to talk about celebrating the end of labor. It's kind of going to be our first point. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about um, is whether our work is permanent or whether it's temporary. Um, we, we are known on campus for giving out cheap, single-use plastic Costco bottled water. And, and we, we've, every year we kind of deliberate, should we do this or should we not? Is this good for the environment or should we not you know, do this? But we always try to make sure that if we see any you know, trash on the sidewalk that it's thrown away. Uh, but what we've seen is that everyone's bought these you know, $60 enormous that are like, you know, shaped like a missile. And when they fall on the floor in the classroom, it sounds like a missile just dropped. Uh, but you know, really expensive bottles for their water, right? And you're not gonna throw that thing away, uh, even if it gets dented up. Uh, that's more permanent, right? That's, that's more value to you. But what about our work? Um, is it permanent? Is it valuable? Does it have lasting value or is it temporary? And is in the end, God just going to wipe it all the way, wipe it all away. Um, also, what about those of us, and you may be scared to admit it, but maybe right around the beginning of August, summer break, you're like, I'm kind of getting bored. Like, this has been great and all. I've gone on my family vacation and I've enjoyed, like, you know, sleeping in, like, every day. But I'm kind of, like, I kind of want to get back. I kind of want to do my schoolwork. I kind of want to be in a routine. A lot of us, when we think about heaven, we think of boredom. We think of how in the world can eternity, clouds, cupids, harps be exciting and interesting? And why, as a Christian, should I look forward to that? So we're going to talk about that. And that's our second topic, which is what is beginning as this earth and this heavens ends, what is beginning? What is that going to look like? What's next? Which is really exciting. So we're going to talk about the end, and then we're going to talk about a new beginning. So first, the end. In Revelation 21, John receives this vision from God that's full of symbolism, imagery, and uh, if you go back and you read, especially the prophets in the Old Testament, you see some of the same symbolism and imagery. So it's taken from the Old Testament. Um, but he gets this revelation about the new heavens and the new earth at the end of time. Um, just to quickly recap, we talked about God creating the heavens and the earth in the beginning, right? 
And then sin enters the world, and the sin enters after work is created. Work is given as this gift, as this labor. And then sin corrupts work. Jesus comes into the scene. He comes into creation as human, fully God, fully man. He has his own job, his own vocation. But he is there not to do carpentry. He is there to redeem us from the curse of sin. And that includes work. And that means we can go about the work of restoring this world to the order and beauty that it was intended for. And here we are, and, and so verse 6, and, and I, um, I, I made a last-minute change and added in verse 6, so we didn't get it read, but verse 6 of chapter 21, it says, It is done. It is done. It is done. Let's sink in. There will be a day when, when we hear God say, It is done. Well done. It's over. We can rejoice because we know that when God says it is done, it's the end of death, pain, suffering, toilsome labor, sorrow, all of the things that burden our work, infect our day-to-day um, toil and labor. It's, it's over. It's complete. It's finished. It's done. It's going to be no more. And so we should take great encouragement in this. This should give us incredible hope. Um, I want to talk about some specific vocations that will cease. Wars will cease. Uh, and, and Isaiah talks about, um, come on in, um, it, it talks about spears and, and weapons of war being turned into tools of agriculture. Right? Can you imagine this day when all soldiers and weapons, they will be decommissioned? There will be peace forever. And in Revelation 20, if you're going to read the, the chapter right before the one we just read, it talks about um, the end of evil, the end of the last enemy, Satan, being vanquished. Another uh, line of work that will end is doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical chemists, the entire field of medicine, therapy, right? There will be health. There will be life to the fullest. There will be no more sickness. No more need for, for therapists. No more need, need for, for Rx, right? You don't need to go to the pharmacy. All of these things will be unnecessary in the presence of the great physician, right? God is there healing, and he says that he himself will wipe every tear from every eye. Isn't that amazing? Um, so, so these vocations will become unnecessary. Pastors, <laughs> evangelists, missionaries will no longer have any more proclaiming of the gospel to do. They will no longer have to go to the ends of the earth because the glory of the Lord, the gospel, Christ will be made known throughout the whole earth and the whole heavens. And it says every knee will bow before him. It says that um, God himself is the temple. God himself is the temple. You need no priest. That's in verse 22, as Robert read. Those who rule in government will be ruled by the king of kings and lord of lords. All of their crowns they will take off and lay down at his feet. So our, our vocations, our, our work will entirely 
change and be different. We could go on in, in several different examples of unnecessary vocations that are necessary because of sin and because of death, and because of disease. But there is also a sense in which all work will be fulfilled and will be complete. So economists, business people, you'll see a perfect economy, uh, unspeakable abundance, riches, creativity, productivity, equality, justice, fairness, the fulfillment of all that economists and business people work towards. Artisans, craftspeople, chefs, creators, you'll see the face of beauty itself. You'll see the face of the creator. And you will see all of his creation, his new creation that's made perfect, that's purified from all that is imperfect and unbeautiful in it. Finally, we can't forget parents, right? <laughs> um, parents, guardians, brothers and sisters who take care of their brothers and sisters. We will be a part of the household of God, where God is our Father. We'll be gathered in fathers, mothers, wives, husbands, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, all that we've hoped for in those relationships, we will experience in the household of God with him forever. This is cause for celebration. This is cause for us to, and I would encourage you at some point in your life to read Revelation, the book, the whole book in one sitting. I think by the end of it, you will be maybe in tears and just standing up and shouting and saying, I, I love you, God. You're, you're amazing. This is amazing work. I, let it be done. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that's really big picture. And this is really future oriented and maybe feels abstract. I want this to bring this down right down to the nitty gritty of life. One litmus test of whether or not we idolize our work, whether or not we have a maybe corrupted relationship with our school, with our, with our labor, is whether or not we're able to celebrate. Let me explain what I mean by, by celebrate. Um, a kind of a biblical view of celebration involves praising and thanking God. And that may be for the good work that you have just done. It may be receiving that, that exam grade. It may be uh, receiving that paycheck and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me the ability to do this work and all praise and glory to you. When we're not celebrating, we're doing something else. Um, when we do celebrate, we are kind of acting out what we're going to do in the, the biggest sense at the end of time. Right? So, so every time we stop and we celebrate accomplishment, achievement, uh, you know, it's usually done at milestones in life, right? You know, you graduate, you celebrate with your family, they come into town, they give you a bouquet of flowers, like whatever it is. But, but even at the end of a day, right? Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you, Lord, for the end of this day and this warm bed that I can sleep in. Um, when we are resurrected in our glorified bodies, just as Jesus ate, drank, talked, walked with people on earth, so too will all Christians. At the end of time, there will be a wedding feast. There will be a great feast. Feasting is good. Feasting is Christian. God made it up. 
It is good to feast, to celebrate when it's done with God on your mind, right? And you're saying, God, thank you. And let me give you a kind of a counter example of this. Um, A lot of times when we're done with a work week, we think of numbing ourselves. You know, all we want to do is just like, just plug ourselves into something and just like, uh, like, wow, that was so painful and awful. Like, I don't want to think about anything, like turn my brain off. And we do that with substances. We do that with entertainment. We do that with, with sex. We do that with so many different things just to entertain us, just to give us pleasure. A lot of times what we're doing there, we may think we're celebrating. Maybe we talk about it or post about it as if we're celebrating, but we're trying to numb, indulge, and forget, right? Truly celebrating, we're trying to not just numb ourselves, we're trying to feel. We're trying to give ourselves space to feel. Like, wow, relief. Thank you, Lord. We're trying to give back. Share maybe what we have, like, hey, friends, I just got my paycheck. Let's go out to dinner. Let's celebrate. Give back. Give thanks to God. And we want to remember the reason why we feast, the reason why we have these these rituals and traditions. Um, God came up with that too. It's to remember. It's to set it apart. Remember what God has done. So in our work, when we finish our work, when we accomplish what we set out to, we need to celebrate. And this is a good spiritual exercise when it's done to God's glory. So that's the end of work. There's going to be a great celebration. There's going to be an end of all work that has to do with pain, death, and suffering. What's the beginning? What happens next? Now am I going to say, okay, cue the hallelujah chorus and begin the snores of eternal rest? You know, we're just... You know, we even talk about rest and peace. You know, we, we think of just like, oh, it's just sleep. It's just, you know, something else. I don't know, but it's not, it's not attractive. It's not exciting. A lot of the times we, we talk about this. And, and I want to I kind of dive in a little bit, uh, and, and I hope I don't step on any toes. I'm going to try to do some general categories, and I've not come up with these. Uh, these are from the philosopher Al Walters. Uh, Four different categories of where we go wrong when we think about heaven, especially as it relates to our work. So the first, I'm going to call overly spiritual. Overly spiritual. When we think about the ultimate aim of creation, the kingdom of God, when we think about heaven, we think of it, it's just about the inward transformation of our hearts. It's just what's happening between me and God. It's often a very privatized way of thinking about your faith, but it's all inward. It's all spiritual. We often view heaven as just that, and maybe only that. We don't think of our bodies. We don't think of uh, of our existence uh, with other people. We just think of kind of spiritually existing in this, this other state with God. So uh, in in each one of these, there's going to be some truth and some error, right? We're going to try to discern. Um, Now, this is the error of of what you call pietistic Christians. uh, And those include some evangelicals, some mystics. um, And in the Q&A, please ask me to clarify these um, if that would help. Um, So that's the first category, overly spiritualizing this, where vocation doesn't really apply. What are you talking about, my work? What does that have? No, it's just my prayer life. 
just my time with God, it's just my contemplation. And that's going to continue to the nth degree in heaven. The second category is, um, this is kind of cheesy, but overly churchy. Um, This is the type of thinking, the type of error that we think of the church, the institutional church, as being this one sphere of life, and then this other sphere of life, which we'll call just the world and everybody else. And often you see this in high church uh, traditions in Christianity. So, uh, you know, sometimes in in Roman Catholic uh, uh, traditions and in some other high church traditions, this is where the, the hierarchy is. If you're a pastor, if you're in ministry, if you're in a clergy position in life, you are the closest to God. And that in heaven, that's going to be true. Wow, you must be so holy, Nathan. <laughs> uh, you, you know, oh, I bet you're going to just have this special place with God in heaven. That, that, that's the error, right? You know, hear me say that's an error. Um, and so God only cares about what you do in your church life, but he doesn't really care what you do uh, when it comes to all the mundane, uh, secular parts of your life. And so, you know, the error when it comes to heaven is that, okay, it's just going to be one big church service. And there's going to be all this hierarchy. It's just going to be like church all the time. Um, that's the second one. The, the third one is I'm going to call overly heavenly. Let me explain this. This basically says that right now, none of our work matters for heaven. That um, the kingdom of God, which we, we talked about last time, we talked about our work is actually part of the kingdom work of God restoring the world to its original order and beauty. Um, that that is all future. That the kingdom work is going to begin when Jesus comes back. That right now we're just buying our time and making sure we keep our nose clean. It's all about personal holiness now, but when it comes to vocation, when it comes to your work, when it comes to politics, it's basically, uh, it's, it's warfare. It's a battle, right? A battle against sin, a battle against the world. Um, dispensational uh, theology often falls into this category, um, which is often an evangelical um, error. So that's the third. Um, the fourth is overly earthly. And this last one, this is often the approach of those who are skeptical about heaven. You know, I'm not even sure if Jesus is actually going to come back, if God actually meant that in the Bible. And maybe they're, they're skeptical about miracles. They're skeptical about uh, the, the new heavens and the new earth. And so they say what God really wants is God taught us a moral way of life. And doing good to other humans is the ultimate good. And we will be judged if there is any judgment at all based on how we treat others. Sin is not an offense against God. It's merely ignorance in this uh, way of thinking. Um, And this is the era of a liberal social gospel. So how do we correct from these errors? How do we discern what is good from each one of them? Which there is good in each one of them. But there's also something that needs to be corrected. Well, we go to scripture. You don't go to Nathan. You don't go to... um, Anyone else but God and God's word, right? We, and we need, let me clarify what I mean. We need teachers, we need pastors, we need preachers to help us understand, but we ourselves need to go to scripture as well. We need to try to understand it as well. And I want you to 
Um, may, maybe turn to the, the, um, the passages that we read. I want to go back to Revelation 21, um, verses 24 through 27. I'll read those again. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Now this is speaking of the new heavens and the new earth. Um, the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So notice that the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the new heavens and the new earth. What is that glory and honor of the nations? Well, theologians have interpreted this to, to mean it's, it's, it's our labors, fruit of our labors, cultural artifacts from all nations and all peoples. It's artwork, cuisine, literature, contributions to science, discoveries. It's culture. That these kings were recognized as kings on the earth. There's continuity between what was on the earth and what will be in heaven. It's saying that there's, there's continuity between even what the, the cultural artifacts were of those kingdoms will be brought into heaven. See where I'm going with this. There's a permanence and a continuity between what is happening here on this earth, between what is here on this earth, and what will be in the new heavens and the new earth. But... What does not continue? What is not brought in? Well, the evil. Anything corrupted, anything bad, does not come in. One verse that's very misunderstood is in 2 Peter 3. There's this verse that um, anyone from a a point of view that that kind of says that um, all of this earth is going to be burned up and it's going to be annihilated. Right? It's basically saying that the works of this world, everything in this world, it's, it's going to be, it's temporary. God's going to tear it all up and start over. Um, in 2 Peter 3, there's a often misinterpreted uh, verse where people interpret it to, to say that it's all going to be burned up, that's going to be annihilated. Um, and this, is, this leads to the overly heavenly and overly spiritual errors, right? If nothing in our work, if nothing in the physical world matters, it's all going to be burned up. It changes the way you live right now. It changes the way you live. But in the same chapter, it likens the destruction that's to come, the judgment that's to come to uh, the flood in Genesis, which we understand to have been purifying, but it didn't destroy the whole earth. Right? So um, gold, I've never seen a crucible with my own eyes, but I'm sure it would you know, be really hot. Uh, but it's hot enough to liquefy precious metals. It's also hot enough to um, separate those precious metals from the dross or from what's impure in those, right? So what's going to happen is there's going to be a purification. There, there will be a change that takes place. But this is not talking about obliteration. Where do we get that from? Well, we get that, we, we interpret difficult passages in the Bible with other more clear passages. And I think Revelation 21 is one of those more clear ones. 
Another one that's very clear is 1 Corinthians 15. We read about the change that will take place in our bodies. Right? Uh, the question has been posed to me, will we recognize each other in heaven? Will I look the same? Um, 1 Corinthians 15 that says that our bodies, those that were dead, um, or those that maybe are still living, Christ comes back, they will be changed. They will be transformed, but they will still be ours. There's no separation um, that, 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 that takes place from our, our personality and our body. We don't become uh, new people um, in, in the sense that we become, there's no continuity between our old self, right? But we get changed, we get transformed. But we have sanctified personalities, sanctified minds, sanctified talents, gifts. What does this all mean? What am I getting at? We will begin a new work. It won't be toilsome. It'll be work that will feel more like play. Think of those times in your work when it is fulfilling and it's energizing and it's productive and it's creative and you can see yourself just doing more and more of it. Think of that without the fatigue, without the sin, without the criticism. In heaven, there will be the good, the true, and the beautiful, all fulfilled, all consummated, all glorified. Now, there's still a lot of mystery about what exactly this will look like. There's some that we, we can know for sure, but there's a lot that we don't know. Scripture doesn't teach us that. But the work that we will do in heaven will certainly be permanent. It will be glorious. All that is good, true, and beautiful will remain. We sang a few times this semester the song, well, just sang it, Your Labor is Not in Vain. That comes from, thanks to Serena for pointing this out to me yesterday, the very end of 1 Corinthians 15, where it talks all about the resurrection of the body. Um, and at the very end, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's rejoice in that. Let's celebrate that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our labor is not in vain. And furthermore, it is, um, has something to do with our eternal life with you. That there is a permanence because of your spirit working in us as we work. There is something that will last. There is something that will remain. But we pray that you would give us that, that hope, uh, that vision for the here and now, that it matters, it's meaningful, it has purpose. Would you encourage those who are discouraged in their school and their, their jobs? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.